again, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thank you, Pastor May, for having me. Thank you, Real Life, for being here today. So good to see some of my friends, Bob, Christy, love you guys. And I just want to honor you and the work you're doing here. I also want to honor my wife in her absence. She's mad. <laughs> she likes coming to real life with me. Matter of fact, she likes going with me pretty much everywhere I go. Don't be haters. <laughs> but today she has a responsibility of standing in my place. She normally ministers on the fourth Sunday. And as we said, so many people are out of town that those who cover the covered are gone. Right? So we're glad to be here and we're praying for her and thank God for her and her absence. And I just want you to get your Bibles open. I want you to get something to write with. I'm not going to be before you long. I am going to throw a lot of scripture at you. Amen. Yeah. I'm one of those who believes that the word of God is an infallible truth. Yeah. And how can we preach without having scripture? Yeah. Having text. A lot of preachers do it now. Right. Have no scripture reference. And I challenge my children, my family, all the time. Our church, don't come to me with something that somebody told you unless you have a scripture base for it. Because in the church, we're really bad about taking what someone else says for gospel and not having any scripture to back it up. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. So I want you to write down a few scriptures. I'll be referencing a lot of scriptures as I get through this message today. Amen. And I pray that it would bless your life. You know, I was praying upon coming here and asking God to show me what he had me to say today. Because it would have been real easy for me to preach something about independence and freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I could have just went from that right there. But I'm of the type of the sort that I really like God to speak to me. So I don't get caught up in what everybody else is saying and doing, but what he has to say to his people. Amen? Amen. So write these scriptures down as we'll be touching on them. Bob, I hope you can help me a little bit. I'm going to struggle with my voice, so I might need a reader. But the first scripture I want you to write down is going to be Proverbs 18.10. Then I'll probably have you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 9. Verses 24 through 27. And all these to connect, and then we'll probably turn just for a moment to 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 13. Don't get afraid. I heard some of y'all's nervousness already. And then we'll end up talking about Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. What you find out is I really try to keep things scripturally in context. And scripture connects this puzzle. And sometimes it's hard just to take one text and go from there. Because what God has been dealing about is something I've been sharing with our church for a few weeks, kind of on the same vein of thinking that we've been in for probably a couple months dealing with our emotions and how our emotions get us in trouble. How what we feel sometimes when we allow it to lead us and guide us pulls us straight out of the will of God. Amen? Amen. So those scriptures we're going to touch on today, I want to pray just for a second and we're going to jump right in. Amen? Father God, we thank you for this time that you've given us to stand before the people of God. In no way are we worthy. God, we thank you that you've cleaned us up just like you've cleaned them up. And God, that you continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, God, for our salvation and our lives that are hid in Christ. And I pray now that you help me, God, to be hid behind the cross. Use me for your glory. Use my lips to speak your oracles. Help me, Father, to decrease that you increase in me. I pray, God, that you send the anointing that causes teaching and preaching to become easy. Let there be an open channel from heaven's throne to my mind. And I thank you, God, that the word does the work today. God, that it does the work in our lives. It strengthens us, encourages us, equips us, corrects us, builds us up on our most holy faith. And we thank you, God, for the victory obtained by your word. In Christ Jesus, we pray. 
Amen. Hallelujah. So today my subject is real simple. It is sort of a rhetorical question. It is who do I run to? Who do I run to? And my subtopic would be a righteous escape. A righteous escape. Who do I run to? Church, we're actually living in an accelerated age. When things are moving faster than ever. We're on a fast pace toward eternity. Anybody agree with that today? Which means the enemy is throwing more at us with a greater intensity. I don't know about you, but I've been feeling the pressure of life for quite a few months in an intense way. It hadn't been the normal stuff, but it's been almost the life-altering things. But it's reminded me of a couple things. That one, there's a call on my life and there's a purpose that the enemy is upset about. Lord, have mercy. Anybody know that you have a purpose in life? And then the enemy is upset when you begin to tap into that purpose and move forward in the things of God. So we find that things are coming at us more intensely. Amen? The danger in this, for too many of us, is that we are still progressing spiritually at a snail's pace. And sometimes we are oblivious to what and how the enemy has infiltrated our lives. The enemy has snuck in. He's crept in unaware sometimes. We've even entertained him and allowed him to remain around. Yes, even in the church. Where we've actually replaced worship with entertainment. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me today. And we have to get back to the basis because the enemy understands that his time is not long. I think sometimes the church forgets that this home we live in is temporary. And that we're soon to meet him face to face. Anybody believe that today? You ought to open up your eyes and see what's going on around you. The things that we see and the things we hear, the things we experience now are a direct indicator that we are living in the last days. Amen? Amen. Our dependence on God and our commitment to live, move, and have our being in Christ Jesus is more pertinent now than it's ever been. I truly believe that we are living in the last days. Amen? Amen? And those last days are described in 2 Timothy. You can write it down. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5, it says... In the last days, perilous times shall come. Perilous times, that means dangerous, hard to bear, troublesome, dangerous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Ain't nobody seen that, right? Covetous, boasters, nobody's seen that, right? Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, that means lacking self-restraint or uncontrolled, fierce despisers of those that are good. Anybody been despised for the good that you do? I've come to learn if you're not doing something great, if you're not doing a good thing, people will leave you alone. But the moment that you begin to do something great for the kingdom of God, you find that people will raise up against you. You will find many haters multiplied against you. That's just an indicator that you're on the right track. Tell your neighbor I'm on the right track. The scripture goes on to say that there will be traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness. Now that ought to be an indicator to us that this is not merely just talking about the world. Having a form of godliness. It's those sometimes that feel the pew that have a form of godliness. They come to church, but they have a staycation in church. What do I mean? We stay in the house of the Lord, but we vacate his presence. We stay coming to Sunday school. We stay coming to Bible study, but we're not hungry enough to chase after him and his presence. Y'all not saying nothing to me today. 
says, denying the power thereof from such turn away. We live in a time where the influence of the prince of the power of the air, the one who controls the children of disobedience, he has also shifted the minds of many believers who now have succumbed to the pressures, the trials, and temptations of life, forgetting that we have a heavenly father who knows and cares. That song this morning ministered to me because it is my favorite scripture found in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Great is thy faithfulness. Anybody found God to be faithful? Even when you're unfaithful, he's still faithful. Even when you are wishy and washy, he is still faithful. Even when we don't know which way we're going and we're confused, God is still God. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He has always been faithful, will always be faithful. That's enough for you to shout about today. Great is our faithfulness. Morning by morning. New mercies. Morning by no morning. New mercies I see. I don't know about you. When I got up this morning, I was so grateful. Because I didn't deserve to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm full of a room. Full of people who deserve to be here, I guess. I, I didn't deserve to be here. Bobby, did you deserve to be here this morning? I was grateful that I was alive. That I was in my right mind. That I had a reasonable portion of health and strength in my body and that I was on a mission this morning. For that I'm grateful. Greatness is faithfulness. We forget that we have a heavenly father who knows and who cares. And most importantly, we have to remember that we have a high priest. Anybody glad about the high priest you have today? We have a high priest that is moved by compassion to secure those who belong to him in times of testing. Anybody going through some tests? Anybody going through some trial, don't be afraid to lift your hands because I'm, I'm guaranteeing you somebody across from you has the same issue or dealing with something even more intense. Anybody have some tests and trials that you're facing right now? Well, Proverbs 18 and 10 declares a forgotten truth. This verse says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run therein and are safe. I'm going to let you think about it for a minute. I'm going to let it marinate just for a minute. The name of the Lord. Anybody know the power that's in the name of Jesus? Anybody ever tried calling on his name when you're going through those tests and trials that seem to be insurmountable? Anybody ever call on him when you seem to be overwhelmed? When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and are safe. Now strong tower, write this down. Strong tower in the original Hebrew text means that it's an elevated place of truth. An elevated place of truth, power, and rest. I totally agree with what Pastor May said today, not because I'm here in real life, but because I see it even in my own church and places that we go visit and minister. You can see the exhaustion on people. I'm a praise and worship leader. Do that all the time. Pastor church, I see the exhaustion. I felt it myself. Amen. You see it. But we have to understand that when we call on the name of the Lord, it is an elevated place of truth power and rest how many know you can rest in the Lord all type of chaotic things may be going on around you but you can find rest in the name of the Lord so again a strong tower is an elevated place of truth power and rest it represents a myriad of help and protection as it is a place of force security 
majesty, and praise. I'm going to say it again. It's a place of force, security, majesty, and praise. How in the world can you elevate to a place of being in God's presence and you not be affected? It's an impossibility. Matter of fact, anytime you elevate to the place of God's presence, you will be impacted. You will find rest. You will find majesty. You will find praise. You will find security. The problem is we don't press to elevate. We come to church and we want everyone to do it for us. We want the singers to sing us happy. We want the preacher to preach us happy. But we won't, we won't put forth any effort of our own to make sure that we elevate to the place where we press into the presence of God. Do you realize how much your life would change? How much church would change? How more effective we'd be in our communities if we would all press into the presence of God and stop coming to church and acting like it's church as usual? Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. We have to get beyond just coming to church to come to church. So that someone doesn't call us to see where we were. That didn't happen here, right? That's, that's in my church, right? It didn't happen here. No, we have to come to church with the intent to press into the presence of God. To get lost in worship. Y'all ain't said nothing to me. To have him do what no one else can do in our lives. It means that I must be willing to look to the hills from which comes my help. I must be prepared and conditioned to exalt the name of Jesus in every situation and under any circumstances. You get what I'm saying today. That means regardless of what is going on in my life, regardless of what has happened to me, regardless of how I feel, I have to be in a mindset that I will exalt the name of Jesus, that I will bless the Lord at all times, and that his praise will continually be in my mouth. I cannot base it on how I feel. I cannot base it on my circumstance. I can't even base it on how the music sounds or what the people around me are doing. I have to have a resolute mind that I will get to the elevated place because I don't care what nobody else came for. I came to be in the presence of the king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Lift up your hands, all ye gates and be ye lifted up, the everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? But the Lord God strong and mighty, mighty in I got to be resolute to elevate to the high place. Are you with me today? Tell your neighbor, I'm going to get lost in worship. So I'm going to get lost in worship. Just make up in your mind right now. Every time I come to the house of the Lord, I'm going to get lost in worship. You ever been so caught up in the presence of God that you come out, you don't know where you are? Huh? Somebody had to lead you to your seat. In the presence of the Almighty. I'm going to get lost in worship. I'm going to praise my way through. Come on, take it in. I'm going to praise my way through. See, it's power when you say it. This is where the church gets in trouble. We let the preacher say it, but we don't echo it. Tell your name, I'm going to praise my way through. I'm going to praise my way through, and then I'm going to pray my way out. Did you catch that? I'm going to get lost in worship. I'm going to praise my way through, and then I'm going to pray my way out. So who do I run to? Who do I run to? When life is full of trial, pain, temptation, trouble, I run to Jesus, amen? Who according to Hebrews 2 and 18 is able to help, assist, and relieve those who are being tempted and exposed to suffering. As for in that he himself 
has suffered being tempted, he is able. Listen to that. He is able. Anybody believe that God is able? He is able to secure them that are tempted. Y'all not excited about that? Okay, I'm in the wrong church today. Because I'm assuming you do have temptation. You do have trial. You do have trouble. There are things that frustrate you. Sometimes things that make you anxious. Anybody in the room with me today? So if that's you, you ought to shout over that text. Because we just hadn't promised, explained to us, from the writer here in Hebrews, he says that because Jesus was tempted at all points, like as we are, y'all ain't said nothing to me, he's able to secure them that are tempted. Write this down. Running is not only an indication that I'm trying to escape something. Running is not only an indication that I'm trying to escape something. Because you ever been in a crowd of people and everything was calm and then somebody came through running and you notice how the whole crowd shifts and now all of a sudden people are running and they don't know why. I remember being in Lexington at Roots and Heritage a couple years ago and it was pretty late and sometimes it's known to be a little rowdy at night and we wanted to walk through and get a little something to eat, check out some of the vendors and we were standing talking to some friends and everything seemed to be calm and you could hear the music in the background and everybody was enjoying themselves and then a couple people decided to run through. Nobody knew why they were running but everybody started running behind them (laughs) until you kind of slowed on and go, wait a minute, why am I running? It's a natural reaction when you see other people running to think that they're running from something. Running is not only an indication that I'm trying to escape something, but in context with today's message, it's a greater indication and reminder to the faithful believer that I am in pursuit of something. So it's not really that I'm on the run from the devil all the time, but I'm actually running towards something. I have a reason to run. Y'all ain't said nothing to me today. I'm in pursuit of something. Tell your neighbor I'm in pursuit of something. I'm in pursuit of my purpose. I'm in pursuit of his presence. And all about you, I know I'm not going to live forever, so I'm also definitely in pursuit of heaven. Have we forgotten that this life is temporary? Have we gotten so caught up in this rat race that we forget that our lives are as a vapor, as smoke? And that we wither as the green herb until we realize that you're going to die sooner or later. So I don't know about you. I'm running with heaven in view. I'm not merely trying to escape my trouble. But rather it is an eternal escape. It's an eternal escape. I'm trying to escape the clutches of sin and run that I would obtain an incorruptible crown. Anybody looking for an incorruptible crown? Not just a pat on the back from men, not a nice house, not a nice car, not a big church, not a mega church. I'm trying to receive an incorruptible crown. Paul describes his run toward an eternal escape in 1 Corinthians 9. Go ahead and turn there. 1 Corinthians 9. Anybody getting this today? Anybody being blessed so far today? 1 Corinthians 9. We're going to look at verses 24 through 27. I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified Classic Edition. Paul asks a rhetorical question to the church of Corinth. He says in verse 24, Do you not know that in a race, 
all the runners compete. But only one receives the prize. So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. 25. Now every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. How many in the church live a life as a spiritual athlete? Temperately, disciplined, restricting yourself in all things. Because in case you're not connecting to that text, that's what we're all called to do. You can't be a disciple of Christ and have a life that has no discipline. So Paul points it out, he says, every athlete. I know you said I ain't played a sport in so long, I never was an athlete. Well, guess what? Spiritually, you're an athlete. Spiritually, I would hope you can compare yourself to a KD, a Michael Jordan, whoever you look up to. My son, it's what's his name? Uh, LeBron James. He's not looking so happy now. But the realization is spiritually, we're supposed to compete on that level. We're supposed to be world champions. We're supposed to be the best, the epitome of strength. Not because we have all of our lives together, but because we have the greater one living on the inside of us who causes us to overcome even when we feel frail. It says, now every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. They do it to win a wreath that will soon wither. But we, you and I, we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Mm-mm-mm. Verse 26, therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite or definitive aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. But like a boxer, I buffet, I strike my body, handle it roughly, disciplined by hardships, Lord our mercy. Maybe somebody just got freed right there. Your hardships are not to break you down. They're to build you up. The hardships are not to cause you to lose your mind. It's cause you to have a transformed mind. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Tell me today. Your hardships, God did not bring them into your life to destroy you. Matter of fact, I've been teaching about this. God is, he, he's such a good God that it is impossible for him to do any evil. So the evil that hits your life, the trouble and the struggle that hits your life is a consideration of who you are. Let me explain. The devil goes to God and he asks, can he touch Job? Anybody remember that story? He gets permission to touch Job, everything about him, except his soul. He can touch his money. He can touch his body. He can touch his family. You're talking about some hardship. If you don't know the story of Job, research it, study it. He went through like no other. But the thing that God showed me, even in our own hardships, when we feel like we're going through like Job and realization is we're not in most cases. It's because God had a confidence of who you were in him. He had a confidence in Job that regardless of what happened to Job, that Job would still be an upright man. That Job would still trust the God of his salvation. How about you and I? Have we ever considered that when we go through that God says, I have enough confidence in the Christ in them that they can go through anything and they still will not curse me. They still will live for me. They still. 
celebrating because of what you're going through or are you bellyaching because you have a storm? I've been through enough to know the difference. God has confidence that this will not break me down. It will build me up. Are you hearing me? God has confidence that I won't crack up under this. But if anything, I'm going to go closer to him. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to get wiser. So it says like a boxer, buffing my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. I've learned the hard way that I cannot study the word of God, even as a pastor, for merely the sake of preaching or teaching. I got to be first partakers of it that I not find myself as a castaway. That I myself would not be unapproved and be able to stand the test. Amen? Amen. Regardless of what position you have in the church, regardless of what leadership role you play, please understand you are not merely just a carrier of the gospel. You're also to be a student of the gospel and learn yourself how to discipline your life so that you will be an example to others. It's easy to get caught up in the position, even as a pastor, and forget that you too have a responsibility to be disciplined. Let me move, y'all getting quiet. Even the greatest apostle in the Bible understands the challenge of running to finish well. His preaching of the gospel does not make him exempt from having to escape the temptations of being self-willed and uncontrollable when it comes to his own fleshly entrapments. How many know your flesh revives itself every morning. You kill it every day, or you should, amen? Amen. But it's amazing. The next morning, you have another war. You have to keep fighting day in and day out. You have to keep causing your flesh to come under subjection. Paul says, I keep under my body that I might bring it into subjection. I have to beat it down every day. We spend so much time beating other people down that we forget that we have to deal with ourselves First and most of all, y'all quiet on me today. Who do you run to? The challenge of spiritual warfare is staying fit. And the Lord always gives me acronyms. Write this one down, fit. Fighting in tune. I got to keep fighting in tune with God's will. It means that I have to stay connected and dependent on Jesus who is able to support, aid, and help me. In the time of distress, test, and temptation, I have to fight in tune with God's will. You know, I believe that today. Jesus is the only secured and trusted escape plan for the believer. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is the only trusted and secured escape plan for the believer. The enemy has always provided temporary escapes and fixes that lead men and women astray away from the purpose, the power, and the plan of God for their lives. Anybody ever been lured away? Of your own lust, drawn away of your own lust and enticed. That's what the Bible calls temptation. Anybody had that happen before? Well, the enemy is the master, the prince of the power there. He's the master of creating those distractions, those allurements to pull you away and cause you to feel like you need to escape your current situation. The other day I was exposed to some videos that I had never seen before, and it was first a little hilarious because of the things that I was saying, but then it was almost heartbreaking and shocking because of what I saw. I know Richmond has had a great epidemic when it comes to drug abuse. Amen? So so has it been in Lexington, right behind our church, probably a month after we moved in, they found a young lady in the back 
of the building in, in the driveway back there, actually OD with a needle still in her vein. Nobody knew who she was. And it, it broke my heart. We had just moved into this community, and I'm thinking, man, the first thing I'm experiencing is this lady in the back parking lot, OD with a needle in her vein. And God said, don't ignore it. Don't just let it be something that happened. Understand, I've placed you in a community where people have lost hope and they're looking for an escape. We just had an outreach last Sunday. We were outside in the parking lot ministering to everybody who would come through that plaza. And we had ministered to all kinds of sorts of people who had all types of issues, who were trying to make all kinds of escapes, whether it was illicit sex or whether it was drug addiction. And God gave us the ability to actually minister to them and meet them at the point of need right there. Sometimes the church is so comfortable inside of here that we forget that we're called to be out there. We have to be a church without walls. Many are lured away to engage in demonic activity that promises a quick getaway from life's pain and trouble. Having no hope, many will turn to heroin, crack cocaine, flocker, and serenity. Have you heard of those? I just watched videos last week of people who were taking serenity and flocker, diving into people's back windshields. Getting tased by police officers. This was in the city of Lexington. Getting tased by police officers and not even feeling it. Falling into glass windows and so high that they felt nothing until they OD'd. They call that serenity. Isn't that ironic? Something that's supposed to bring peace actually leads many to death and destruction. It doesn't stop there. The list goes on and on, filled with devices like illicit sexual behavior, alcohol abuse, overindulgence of all sorts and kinds that only offer a temporary relief at best. And if any escape at all, but for the Christian, anybody saved in here? Any believers in here? For the Christian, the born-again believer... We have been given an eternal way of escape. Amen. I know just it's just me. It, it's not y'all, right? You ain't never really wanted to escape from what you're dealing with. Anybody just wanted to be able to take something, drink something, do something that took you away from what you were going through? Oh, that's just me. I, I was the only one who did that, right? Nobody ever took a drink to try to escape what they were dealing with. Pastor, you drink? Oh, yeah, I wouldn't always say I was, I would say I was under God. I was the most high because I got high the most. <laughs> it's funny, but it's true. People would tell me at age 14, 15, man, you're going to be just like your dad. You're going to be preaching one day. I'm like, man, are you crazy? I'm about to go get high right now. At 14, 15. I'm about to go get drunk right now because I didn't know how to deal with what life was bringing me bring it to me even at that age so I felt like escaping it was the best thing to do and that carried on even into my adulthood and then I began to see in other people's lives who don't know Christ Jesus and we in the church playing while other people are trying to escape these things that we were once bound to and now what the enemy is offering has taken them straight out I've known of at least three ODs in Richmond that were connected to people I know and I had to come and do one funeral so you better know it's an epidemic that the church cannot ignore People are trying to escape their issues because they have no hope. Pastor Kenny, you just don't understand. I'm I'm so stressed out. I'm under so much pressure. I just need an outlet. Something, someone who provide an exit out of my life's dilemmas. Don't think for one minute that I don't understand. Because I've been there too. Anybody been there? I've been there too. Before Christ came into my life, and guess what? Even after being saved, 
and washed in the blood of the Lamb, I too found myself trying to escape the pressures and the struggles of life. Anybody say you've been there before? See, I love being transparent because the church was the longest played and hid behind certain things. There have been times, even in my Christian life, I had to ask God to force me again. God, help me through this. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to turn back to that. Cause me to become the man that you have designed and purpose for me to be. Because how many know that's when the enemy really comes for you when you really give your life to Christ? So I found myself there again. One of the problems that feeds this issue stems from our lack of consistency and seeking the face of God continuously. Coming to a close. Calling on God while he's near. In this accelerated time of warfare, we cannot afford to be lax. Because our enemy, he's never lax. He's persistent. Always seeking whom he may devour, according to 1 Peter 5 and 8. Not only did I come to Jesus as I was, weary, wounded, and sad. But I'm so glad that I can continue to come to him. When I'm weary. When I'm wounded. When I'm sad. I'm so glad I continue to find in him a resting place. And it is only he that makes me glad. Y'all are not saying anything to me. Who do I run to? I must keep running to Jesus. My healer, my deliverer. I must keep running to Jesus. My way maker, my advocate, my savior. He is my way out. He is my only way into the kingdom of heaven. I must run to Jesus in spite of what is coming against me. I must run to Jesus in spite of the pressures of life. You and I must run to Jesus in spite of everything that is coming against our family, our marriage, our church. We must make a path right now that I I will run. And as long as I'm running, you're going to run with me. I won't leave you behind because Jesus is the only way that we'll find peace. Jesus said to his disciples of himself in John 14, 1 and 6, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. In other words, don't be distressed. Don't be agitated. Don't be distressed. Don't be agitated. Tell your neighbor, don't be distressed. Don't be agitated says, you believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on God. Believe in, adhere to, trust in and rely also on me. For Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by or through me. Jesus is and has always been our escape to an abundant life of peace, truth, and power. He is the only way to real contentment and joy. He is the only way to godly success. He is our only way to an eternal escape from the shields of hell and a welcome of well done into heaven. Anybody want to hear those two words when you leave this world? Well done, good and faithful servant. The only way that you're here, well done, is you keep running to Jesus. Until one day you run into his arms eternally. But if we're not careful to keep Jesus at the forefront of our lives, we will neglect so great a salvation. To not utilize what we have been given in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. Will position us to be overthrown in the wilderness. We all have wilderness experiences. Amen. Anybody in the wilderness experience right now? We all have wilderness experiences. But they are intended to build our reliance, our adherence. To God's will and way. But if we only seek his provision. Hear me church. If we only seek his hand. His provision and not his face. We will create our own paths of escape. So our last text that I ask you to write down as I close. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 13. It says I don't want you to be unaware brothers. 
that our ancestors were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all of them were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all ate the same spiritual drink. Check that. They all ate the same spiritual food, ate the same drink. Can I just say went to the same church? For they drank from a spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was the Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them. For they were struck down, excuse me, for they were struck down in the desert. These things happen as examples for us. That we might not desire evil things as they did and do not become idolaters. As some of them did, as is written, the people sit down to eat and drink and rose up to play or revel. Let us not indulge in morality, in, in, in immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell within a single day. This is not an Old Testament scripture. This is a New Testament text. It's given for our example, for our learning. Let us not test Christ as some of them did and suffered death by serpents. Do not grumble as some of them did and suffered death by the destroyer. These things happen to them as an example. And they have been written down as a warning to us upon whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, whoever thinks he stands secure should take care not to fall. No trial, here's the key I want you to get, no trial has come to you but what is human or what is common. God is faithful. There's that word again. God is faithful. It will not let you be tried beyond your strength. But with the trial, he will also provide a way out. Somebody say escape. He will provide a way out. He will provide an escape, an egress, so that you may be able to bear it. Amen. The promises God will never put more on us than we can bear but the problem is, is that we overload ourselves in this life and then we turn around and we blame God for what we're dealing with. Thank God that according to Hebrews 4 and 15 it says, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but with, in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus not only has experienced every temptation known to man, but he has also experienced every emotion attached to them. So he's empathetic, compassionate toward us. Hmm? As he has not only experienced these things in the same fleshly body, but he didn't fall victim to any of them. Did you catch that? He experienced everything that you and I go through, every temptation, every emotion attached to it, yet he conquered them victoriously. So not only is he compassionate and empathetic, he's able to secure us in them. So he invites us in verse 16 to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So my gateway to escape is to run to God in the name of Jesus. To run to the place of prayer. There his grace will empower me, protect me, and sustain me in his will. Jesus will help me. He is the only escape away from frustration, failure, and our pathway to true freedom. Can you stand? As I was preparing to come to Real Life Community this morning, thinking about today's message, there was a hymn that I started to hear, and it was my grandmama's favorite hymn. And I could hear a voice in my head singing this. And those words that used to bore me when I was a kid began to encourage me in that moment. It simply says, just ask the Savior to help you. To comfort, strengthen, and keep you. It's that simple. Just ask 
the Savior. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain huh, mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Ask the Savior to help you, to comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is willing to aid you. And he will carry you through. Do I have any witnesses to that today? Ask. He will deliver. Ask. He will. Ask. He will strengthen. Ask. He will comfort. He is our great escape. He is our way out. God is our refuge and strength. The very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, we'll not, we will not fear. Anybody in this room today who is fearful. Understanding God has not given us the spirit of fear, but that of power, love, and a sound mind. We will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters therefore roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, we will not fear. Why? Because God is our refuge. He's our strength. He's our very present help in trouble. So who do I run to? Jesus, my high priest. Who do I run to? In the time of trouble. Jesus my very present help. As we all have challenges in this life. I know it's tempting. To run away. From the power. The plan and the presence of God. But my assignment today. Is to urge you to change direction. If it's you today. Stop running away from God. And run to him. Stop allowing everything. And anyone to distract you. Because a distraction can be deadly. It can lead you down a path that you don't return from. There are many people that got distracted in this journey. He said that they would always be around. They would always love the Lord. They would always serve Him. And sometimes you look around and many of them are gone. And some of them are not merely gone from the pew. Some of them are gone from earth. Because the distraction took them out down a road that they could not return from. Jesus is a very present help. Can you just lift your hands all over the room? Hallelujah. With every eye closed. Father God, we bless you. We thank you for the gentle reminder that you are a very present help in a time of trouble. God, though we might be exhausted, tired, struggling and frustrated. Help us, God, to remember that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, that we can run and be elevated to a place of power and rest and restoration. God, I pray that this word be hidden in our hearts today, that we may not set against you. But, God, that we be strengthened, that we be corrected if necessary. God, I pray, God, that as we leave your presence today, that we not leave the power of your word and that our relationship with you would grow stronger and stronger realizing that only true freedom can be found not by the celebration of the independence of our country but by the celebration of the redeemed help us be the people that you're calling for in these last and evil days God that these perilous times would not turn us away from you but that it would cause greater power to rest on us. That would be that city that's set on a hill that cannot be here. That would be a place of prayer and refuge for all people as the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we ask. Come on, church, say amen. 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 God bless you.
much. Thank you so much. I appreciate that word this morning.